a reading from Psalm 90. Lord, you have been our dwelling place throughout all generations. Before the mountains were born or you brought forth the whole world, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. You turn people back to dust, saying, return to dust, you mortals. A thousand years in your sight are like a day that has just gone by, or like a watch in the night. Yet you sweep people away in the sleep of death. They're like the new grass of the morning. In the morning it springs up new, but by evening it's dry and withered. May the favor of our Lord, our God, rest on us. Establish the work of our hands for us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. You can have a seat. From the boundless expanses of his wisdom to the unfathomable depths of his mercy, we study God's nature in order to illuminate the contours of a God whose greatness eludes definition. May this exploration awaken a sense of reverence, humility, and wonder within your soul as we journey together into this boundless and eternal nature of God, encountering the one whose attributes are not just lofty ideals, but living truths that shape the very fabric of our reality. As we draw closer to the source of all existence, may we stand in awe of him who defies comparison, for there is none like him. Good morning, Rise. How are we doing this morning? Oh, rowdy and ready to go. Hey, before we get started, uh, one thing I just want to remind you, tell you about, is in a few weeks here, we are celebrating our 10-year anniversary as a church. Yes. It's amazing. We are looking forward to it. And if you have been around Rise for any period of time, you know we like to party because we are kingdom people and God likes to party. And if you have not been around Rise, then buckle up. It's going to be a great day. And one of the things we're going to be doing that day is celebrating baptism. And baptism is a sacrament of the church where someone publicly declares their faith in Jesus. Um, last, our last baptism was on Victory Sunday. And I just want to share a quick story uh, about a couple named Lazarus in America who got baptized that day. They had recently gotten connected to our church. They're raising two beautiful girls together, and they said, we want to follow Jesus. And so Lazarus got in the water and was baptized. And I, I, I was just looking at these pictures this week, and just the before, after, like, it's a moment where you're saying, no, I am, my allegiance has changed. I am a follower of Jesus. I am a part of this family. And then America, she gets in. And Lazarus baptizes her. And it, it's just this incredible, the power of God to write new stories with people's lives. Even this last photo, I just, like, I, I look at that and I'm like, God is writing new legacies with people's lives. Amen? And this is what we're about. And we say, no, you are a part of our family now. You are a part of the eternal family. So I just want to invite you. If that is you and you're saying, hey, I think that I need to take this step and publicly declare my faith in Jesus, I we want you to participate in that. And it is in three weeks, March 3rd. It's going to be a huge party celebration. You are a part of the family. And so it's just going to be incredible. So um, we are continuing in our series called None Like Him, where we are, we are looking at different attributes of God and how it affects our lives. And, and to set up Today's attribute, I, I need to read a text message that I got in a group text about a party that's happening today. Um, I got permission 
to read this text message to you, just so you know. Um, I altered a couple things, but, but I think it sets up the context. It says, hey guys, as a disclaimer to the Super Bowl invite, my family will be there, but I've been told I need to apologize in advance for the following. You know that's a good text message when it starts that way. Um, here's what I need to apologize in advance for. A loud cheering or sobbing, not caring about how your weekend went, yelling at kids to be quiet, loud sighing at wives to be quiet, <laughs> eating all the cookies, drinking all the Diet Coke, reminiscing about the good old days of Joe Montana and Jerry Rice, reminiscing about the good old days of Steve Young and Jerry Rice, praying about a football game, leaving at halftime if we are getting blown out, showing animosity towards anyone who supports the Chiefs and or Taylor Swift. <laughs> yes. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I want to steal that. I, I, I want to just start apologizing. In, hey, I don't know how things are going to go. So I just need to apologize in, adva- in advance for this moment. But like, wouldn't it be great to just know the future? Like, know what's going to ha- Like, know what you're walking into. Not just, like, I promise there's more to life than football games. But, like, more than, like, to be able to know what's happening next in life. Or how this is going to pan out. Or, or what's going to, or even to, like, go back in time. Wouldn't it be incredible to be, like, outside of time? You could, like, go in and out of time. Like, different moments, time travel. Like, it, these experience different things. Here's what. One of the attributes we need to understand about God is that God is eternal. And because he's eternal, he does not interact with our timeline or time in the same way that we do. That when we say that he's eternal, it means that he has no beginning and no end and that he exists outside of time. These are big concepts to wrap our minds around, and I want us to wrap our minds around them, and then to just explore how this affects our day-to-day life. Okay, first this idea that God has no beginning or no end. This is what it says, Isaiah 43, from eternity to eternity, I am God. And because of that, no one can snatch anyone out of my hand. No one can undo what I have done. And so to understand his eternity, that he is eternal, we need to first understand that means that he will always exist, okay? Now, for some reason, understanding that he has no, no, no end is a little bit easier for me to wrap my mind around. You, and I think the reason is, is because each and every one of us in this room, we have no end. We are all eternal beings in that sense. But we all had like a start date, right? Okay, mine was November 1985, you know? And that was my start date on this earth. But we have an expiration date on this earth, but we don't have, we don't have an ending to our souls. We are eternal in that sense. But God actually has no beginning. He has always existed. He is eternal in the other direction as well. There was never a time when God wasn't. God is the beginning of everything, and nothing is the beginning of God. And people in debates will be like, well, then what created God? Well, nothing. If something created God, then that thing would be God, okay? Like, that's how this works, right? You know, okay? And so God, one way to put it is God is the uncaused cause of all that exists. As it says in the psalm we read, before the mountains were born, before you gave birth to the earth and the world, from eternity to eternity, you are God. Okay, so 
God created everything and nothing created God. And this is where, you know, where we're at as a society, we ask these questions. Okay, what was the start of everything? And, and kind of the societal landing place is the Big Bang Theory, okay? Which essentially says if the, world, if the universe is infinitely expanding and continuing to expand, if you just like, instead of playing that at normal speed, you hit the rewind button and play it back, at some point... It comes to this central nothingness, and that was the start of everything, okay? And here's the truth. Whether you're a theist or atheist, everyone agrees there was no universe, and then suddenly there was a magnificent, glorious, life-sustaining universe. The debate is around how that came to be, in which I want to reference, which doesn't sound like a good idea, but I'm going to do it anyway. Um, Comedian Pete Holmes, his take on this idea of this debate. And he argues and he points out that, listen, some people would argue that God caused all of reality to exist. And others argue that nothing caused all of reality to exist. Which is the funniest guess, right? That, that, that nothing somehow created and brought about Everything, okay? And so the nothing people, they, have the, they make fun of the God people. Like, how can you actually believe that God exists? And he's like, okay, yeah, maybe, whatever. But you know what definitely doesn't exist? Nothing. <laughs> By its very definition, the, 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 the defining characteristic of nothing is that it doesn't exist. So, like, what are we talking about here? Like, what are we actually getting at? Either you think that it's God, something you can't see, touch, taste, photograph, and science can't prove, or you think it's nothing, something you can't see, touch, taste, photograph, and science can't prove. But we should all agree that if nothing sometimes spontaneously erupts into everything— then that's a pretty dang magical freaking nothing. Am I right? Okay. So like, let's, we have to understand as theists, as followers of God, we believe there is an intelligent design that in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth and he did so with purpose, intense design and beauty that we all experience and see on a day. This is foundational to the Christian belief. So, I'm wrestling through this this week, and I asked a question that I've just like, for some reason, maybe because I've never had an existential crisis, and so I, I never asked this before, and I just, it, it seems like a simple question, and then you start to think about it, and you're like, I don't know why I'm asking this, okay? Here's, here's a question. Um, what was God doing before he created everything? Because, and I'll talk about this in a second, that he actually, at the creation of the world, that's when time started. So there was like no time before that. What was he doing before he created time, matter, and space? And here's what's amazing. Um, the Bible actually speaks to this, okay? And I'm not saying this is wholly inclusive of all the things that God was doing, but there are three things that the Bible speaks to that God was doing, okay? And, and I, I just want to see it because it's kind of, it's kind of magnificent, okay? Um, the first thing is that the triune God was enjoying the fellowship of the Trinity. See, this is why it's so foundational that we understand that God is Father, Son, and Spirit because it's a community of perfect love. And so what were they doing? The father was loving the son. 
And the son was loving the spirit and the spirit was glorifying the father and they never grew tired of that. It's this community of perfect love. This is how Jesus talks about it when he prays in John 17. He says, Father, I want those who you have given me to be with me where I am and to see my glory, the glory that you have given me. Look at this. Because you loved me before the creation of the world. This this is an amazing concept for us to understand. Uh, think of it this way, okay? So uh, a couple weeks ago, uh, my, my wife and I and our kids, our family, we went on vacation with, with another family. And uh, we had a great time. It was amazing. But here's what's funny. We did like the same thing every day, okay? The, the evenings would be different, but the day was the same. We would get up. We would drink coffee. We would put on our bathing suits, and we would go in the pool. And you'd hang out in the pool until it was time to order steak nachos. <laughs> and every day, around that time, you would order steak nachos and a delicious tropical drink, and then you would stay in the pool or by the pool. Sometimes you read, sometimes you splash, like, but it's just like pool time, over and over, until it was time to like go get dressed for dinner, and then we'd go to dinner, right? Rinse and repeat <laughs> every day, right? And here's what's crazy. Um, we never got tired of it. You know what I'm saying? Like literally we got home and the next day it was after church. My, my daughter, Nova, she comes up to me and she goes, dad, I just want a steak nacho right now. I'm like, me too, girl. Right. You know what I'm saying? Right. And here's what I need you to understand. Like it's not the reason it just was like so enjoyable and you just feel like you could just do the same thing over and over. It was not, it's not because of the sun, although the, like that helps, right? Does it not? It's not the pool. It's not even the steak nacho. What was it? It's the company. It's the people that you're with. You're like, like, if I'm with people that love me and I love them and you're, you're laughing and you're enjoying, like, that is what brings value. Like, I, if you're by yourself, like, you can last like a day, right? Some of you introverts are like, try me, okay, you know, <laughs> right? Okay, but I'm telling you, after a day or two, you're like, I, this, it's just water and chips, <laughs> right? But when you're in the context of community, there, there's a beauty to it. Now, now, I understand that like steak nacho is a really bad analogy for Trinitarian theology, but like <laughs> this is what the Bible teaches us is that God is a community of perfect love. And God did not create the universe and create you and I because he needed us. He was not lonely. He is a community of perfect love. He created the universe as a display of his glory, and he created you and I to experience that community of perfect love. That is why we exist. That is the beauty of this. So what was God doing before time, matter, and space? He was enjoying the fellowship of the Trinity. Second, he was preparing the kingdom. This is incredible. It says, then the king will say to those on his right, this is Jesus talking about his second coming, come, you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. Like a good architect or a good builder does not just randomly, you know, throw things together. There's a plan and a preparation and a strategy. Do you understand that before time even began, God was preparing and planning the beauty of this world? and the power of his eternal kingdom. That's what he was doing. He was preparing a place for us. 
This is why when we argue things like, oh, it just there was this explosion of cells, or maybe God lit the spark and then just let the world be what it would be. This is, this is not what the Bible teaches. What the Bible teaches is that God is a designer. He's an architect. And he has crafted the world in a way, the universe in a way, the kingdom in a way, for you and I to enjoy his glory and his splendor. And here's the third thing it tells us in scripture that he was doing. And this is maybe the most amazing of all. Um, he was planning your redemption story. Amen. He was planning and preparing his kingdom for his people, and he was calling you to be a part of it. Ephesians 1.4 says, For he chose us in him, and this is not metaphorical language, before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. God knew you before you were born. He formed you before you were born. He knew the story he was writing with your life before the mountains came to be and the earth was formed. How incredible is that? This is the infinite, eternal, glorious God and he created everything. But here's something that I want to highlight, okay? And this is one of those like mind bend, but just track with me on this a little bit, okay? If God created everything, um, that also includes time, okay? So like time, time didn't exist before the creation of the world, okay? Um, here's how we know this, because in physics, in order to actually have time, okay, so think about it. In order to have um, a material you have to have space for that material to be with. Okay, so like we have a chair right here, you know, plastic, uncomfortable chair, right? In order for that chair to be here, there has to be space for it to exist within, okay? We, we, we kind of try, I know it's Super Bowl, but like, try, you know, like, you're like, wings, I want that spicy peanut sauce. Like, no, just like matter, space, and in order for there to be time, time is just a measurement of change of matter or material, whether it's, you know, a, a, a clock moving or a heartbeat or the sun coming in the sky and disappearing as the earth rotates around and moves. All that time is is a measurement of change. That, that's literally the physical description. As one theologian, Wayne Grudem, Grudem, explains it better than I am, he says, the study of physics tells us that matter and time and space must all occur together. If there is no matter, there can be no space or time either. Thus, before God created the universe, there was no time, at least in the sense that of a succession of moments one after another. Therefore... When God created the universe, he also created time. And we actually see this in, like, page one. What does it say? In the beginning, time, God created the heavens, space, and the earth, matter, okay? So, and again, I, I bring these things up because you, the, I actually love the study of science because what the study of science is, it's not contradiction, to the Christian faith. All it does, the study of science is helping us understand this beautiful universe that God has created, amen? And, and, and to see that alignment and where it's at. Now, why would I even, why, like why am I talking about this? Like why am I trying to give you a brain aneurysm on, on a beautiful day like this? Here's why, okay? There's a reason. 
Because God is the creator of time, he can exist outside of time. If you create something, you have power and authority over it. God exists outside of time. Let me explain. So you and I, we experience time in succession, okay? There's certain things that go by really fast. There's certain things that are like, you're like, this is going by really slow, right? You know, I have, the, have these moments. But from the beginning of time until like that's you, you know, right, right there. And then that, that's heaven when Jesus comes again. We don't know when it is. Some of you guys are like, that need, needs to be much closer, right? It feels like it's much closer. Some of you are like, can it just be now? Like, can we just skip 2024 election? No, you can't, okay? Like, or may, actually, maybe, maybe. I'm not going to, I'm not, I didn't make time. I, I, I don't have that, I don't have that authority. But then this is how we experience time. Okay, God is outside of it, okay? And, and what I need you to understand by when I say and theologians say that God is outside of time, what it means is that he sees all of time, all of history equally vividly. He sees the birth of the earth and this moment right now with complete clarity at the same time. And this has massive implications. This is why when we read the scriptures, there's phrases like, at just the right time. How, how can it be at just the right time? Because God sees all of time and he's like, this is when this is going to happen. This is when you are going to be born. God has divinely chosen that you would be born for this moment in time. Some of you are like, could I have skipped this season? No, you can't. That's not your choice. That's the choice of a sovereign God, a good God. And in his perfect will, he has decreed that this is your moment in time to be upon this earth, to be a beacon of light and hope to your city and to your world. Jen Wilkin, incredible theologian, she puts it like this. She says, free to act within time as he wills, he exists outside of it. He, simulta he is simultaneously the God of the past, the present, and the future, bending time to his perfect will, unfettered by its constraints. The past holds for him no missed opportunities. How often do we think that? Oh, man, I missed this opportunity. God, because God is outside of time, he does not miss opportunity. The present holds for him no anxiety. Oh, what's going to happen next? I, you know, I feel anxious about no. Because he's outside of time. He does not experience that. The future holds for him no uncertainty. He was and is and is to come. God is outside of time. And think of it this way. Um, my son, I've shared this before, but he like loves creatures. He loves keeping creatures. He loves catching creatures. He loves hunting for creatures. He loves like naming creature like he just loves it and so like when he was little we would have moments where like we'd be on a bike ride and i'd turn around and i'd just see this right this is at solish ponds we're riding bikes and i look back and i'm like his bike's on the ground I'm like where's dax and dax is in the pond because he snuck a net in his back pocket now to be clear he's not wearing a bathing suit he's not wearing a like uh, a wetsuit. He's wearing jeans and a hoodie and a dinosaur helmet. That's what he's wearing, right? And he would just go in the pond and you're like, that, like, and he, with his little butterfly net, like I'm hunting fish, right? It was just been moments like that. And it's just constantly. Or we have moments like one of the times he, you know, he, he went in and then he came out and he was really little and this is how he felt afterwards. He was like sticky. I and, fell in the water. 
I don't want creatures to be on me. Well, they're probably eating your skin. <laughs> yeah, so like, it's terrifying. You don't know what it's going to be like. You know, these moments of and uh, creatures on your skin. And obviously, I'm a very loving and embracing father, you know. Um, or there's a, time, there's a time where he, like, picks things up, and they're not always friendly. Sometimes they bite, and this is the moment he got bit. I'm never going to grow nothing again. That's so painful. So painful. I'm going home. <laughs> Aren't we good parents, right? They're amazing. Yeah, it's just like, hold it still. Hold the camera still, right? <laughs> Capture this moment forever. And, like, can I just be honest? Like, like, I love looking back on these things. But, like, when it's happening, there were so many moments where I literally am like, really? Like, you're in the pond again? Like, in your clothes? Like, we have places to go. Like, we are on it. We're headed somewhere. We got, and now we have to go home. You're covered in mud. Your jeans. We got to throw these. Like, it's just... It, there was this like frustration in these moments, dealing with the hassle, dealing with like, and then he brings it home and like now we're like, we gotta build a cage for it, right? You know, and you gotta name it and hope it doesn't, you know, eat our food on the dinner table. Like you just, it, it was like this hassle. But he's reaching this age right now where um, he's kind of moving beyond and he's like getting these different interests. And I just can't help but like kind of long for those days. Like that little voice, there's creatures on me. Like I kind of would do anything to hear that little voice just like again. It was so normal at the time. Like now that's just how he talks. And now I like long for that. Like if that happened today with that little, like little mini Dax, I'd be like in the pond with him. You know what I'm saying? Like I, they're just, or, or even those moments of fear and, and, and getting bit, like I'd be like, no, Dax, like this is, this is a moment of, of courage. I'm so proud of you. Like this is building this, this strength in you and this resolve and this lack of fear because if, if I could be outside of time, I would see and interact and respond and build differently. Would I not? But, but I'm, not. I'm not. That's not the kind of father I am, but guess what? That's the kind of father we have in God. He is eternal. And because he's outside of time, he sees the pain that you're going through. And you're like, God, why would you allow this? And he's like, oh, because simultaneously he sees the pain. He sees the glory that it's building. He sees the story that he's writing. He sees the, way, what it, the character that it is strengthening in you because he is outside of time. And he's like, if you would just trust me to see the way that I'm going to use this in other people's lives and the way that I'm going to use this in the kingdom because he is good and he is wise and he is our eternal God. Amen? Yeah. This is why it's foundational. And so God is eternal. What, so what do we do with this? How do we respond to this? What do we do with the eternality of God? I'm just going to, in closing, I'm just going to give you three things that we do. First, God's eter eternality, it sets you free from the past. How often 
Do we allow our past brokenness, fear, and bondage to continue to name us? Hold us hostage to think like, I can't believe I'm the person who did this. I can't believe the sin that I have. Some of you guys even coming here today, you were wrestling with what this week looked like. And you're like, can I even show up in the presence of God? And here's the beauty of the eternality of God. Because you start to fear like, wait, if he sees everything and he knows all things, he's omniscient, then he knows all my failures. He does. But here's what's so incredible. That because he's eternal and he's outside of time, yes, he sees your struggles and your sin and your, and your shame, but simultaneously, with equal vividness and clarity, he sees the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. And you're crying, God, how can you love me? And Jesus, at the same time for God, Jesus is declaring, Father, forgive them. This is the beauty of the eternality of God, that we can be set free. And what's, this is what's so incredible about the sacrifice that Jesus made on the cross. Not only is your past sin forgiven, not only is your present sin forgiven, guess what else is forgiven? Your future sin. Because Jesus is God, he is outside of time, and he declared once and for all, it has been paid, it is finished, it is done. That is the grace we receive in Christ. That's pretty good, amen? Like pretty good, pretty good eternal theology. It's foundational of what it looks like. Here's the other thing that we do. We get almost like sinfully nostalgic about the past. We say like, I wish I could be in that period of time. Maybe there's time in your life, maybe time in human history. And we think, we say words like, oh, the good old days. If I could just be in the good old days. And it's not bad to look back, but you know what is, what is wrong? It's wrong to covet the past. Where you're so dissatisfied with your life now because of what your life once was. Or what your life could have been. And, and you know what the... The antidote to covetousness is, it's gratitude. And God's eternality is what gives us gratitude. Saying, actually, in your eternal wisdom and grace, it's what helps me be grateful about the present. One theologian put it this way. He said, I wish there was a way to know you're in the good old days before you've actually left them. And some of you guys are laughing because you know that's Andy Bernard from The Office. Right? Nard dog theology right there. Right? But it's so true, is it not? It's just so foundational, is it not? See, here's the second thing that God's eternality does. It empowers you to live in the present. If God is eternal and he sees all the time, then he knows where he has divinely placed you for this moment in time. Ephesians 5 tells us, be careful how you live, not as unwise, but as wise. What? Making the most of the time because the days are evil. And we sit back and we're like, man, the days are evil. The days are evil. We should just hide. The days are evil. We should run. The days are evil. We should disconnect. And what does Paul say? He says, because the days are evil, make the most of the time that you have. You, God has put you divinely in this moment right here. And we need to learn to be present in the moments we've been given. Some of you guys maybe saw this photo, uh, New Year's Eve. This is in Paris. And uh, the fireworks are beautiful, the lights are beautiful, but I just want you to look at people's hands. Every single hand is holding a smartphone. And rather than enjoying the moment and the beauty of the moment, 
they're capturing it for later. And I'm not, I'm not, I am not anti-photo or video. I, I'm, I'm grateful for it. But I just think at some moments in time, like what if you were just present in that moment in time? Here's another picture of uh, people standing feet away from the greatest golfer of all time. And everybody has a phone in their hand rather than watching, except for one guy. You see that one guy? Yeah. That's a, that's a Michelob Ultra that he's holding. <laughs> and in the most like righteous, holy way, I can say like, be that guy. You know what I'm saying? I'm not like, I'm not saying that's the ideal beverage of choice, but like, he's just like, I'm watching Tiger Woods right now. When LeBron broke the record, scoring record, every single person, all, you don't see their faces, you see, you're literally, they just want to tell people what they're there for. Every single person except for Phil Knight is sitting in the front row. Oregon tried and true. And he's just sitting there like, this is kind of fun. Like, what if we became present? Being present is learning how to be nostalgic about the moment you're in. What if today, when your kid walks up to you and says, mommy, can we, daddy, can we, instead of like, I have a busy day, I gotta make 700 hot wings, I gotta, like, <laughs> like what if you were like, you know what, actually this moment, I may never get this moment again. What if today, when you're at a party with friends, rather than thinking, like, oh man, like, I wonder if they like my outfit, I wonder if they, I cooked this okay, I wonder if, or thinking about all the parties you're not at, what if you just looked around and like, this is the company that God has given me? And I'm grateful for these friends, I'm grateful for these neighbors. This is what the eternality of God frees us up to do. It frees us to be nostalgic about the moment that we're actually in. And lastly, God's eternality, it calms our anxiety over the future. Because the God who holds the world in his hands, the God who created time itself stands outside of it. And therefore, he knows what he's doing. He knows what he's building. This is why Paul, when writing to the church of Philippi, he says, do not be anxious about anything. He's not ignoring anxiety. He's not saying it doesn't exist. He's saying, but in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. What God? The eternal God, the creator of all things, the creator of heaven and earth, the creator of time itself, the God who has no beginning, who has no end, the God who is sovereign, ruling and reigning over all things. You have access to him. To say, I am so worried about the future. And you know what he says? I'm not. Maybe trust me. Maybe put your burdens in my hands. Maybe bring your fears and your worries to me. Because I'm writing a story, a story with your life that, guess what? I started before the foundation of the world. A story not for harm, but for good. Not, not for bad, but for beauty. And some of it, we don't get the fullness of the story in this moment. And we don't get the fullness of the story in this earth. But guess what? If we would surrender our lives over to Jesus, we get the fullness of that story in eternity. This is the beauty of an eternal God. It, it, do me a favor, just close your eyes. And if you're willing, would you just hold your hands out? This is just for you. This isn't for anybody else in the room. This is you and God. 
And would you just take whatever is burdening you and you just place it in your hands? Maybe it is something over your past that you can't let go that just defines you and holds you down. Would you just put it in your hands? Maybe it's something right now that just feels heavy, feels like failure, feels like burden. Just put it in your hands. Maybe it's something about the future that you are anxious about. Lord, we are here to surrender these things to you. We are here to bring our burdens and our fears and our failures to you because you are a God who stands outside of time. You are the God who rules and reigns. You are the God who formed your kingdom and wrote our story. You prepared goodness beforehand that we would walk in them. And so, Lord, teach us what it means to trust in your eternality, in your goodness, in your grace. Lord, would you take these burdens from us? Would these be acts of worship as we surrender them to you? For you are good and you are glorious. We pray this in the power, in the nature and name of Jesus Christ and all God's people said.